again. The old timers would say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, if God doesn't do another thing for me, I've got a reason to praise him for the rest of my days. That's why even when I'm going through a struggle, I've got a reason to give God my best praise. Come on, somebody put your hands together one more time. Hallelujah. See, some of us think those are just lyrics to a song. But how many of you know that's scripture from the word of the Lord? Rejoice. Get happy again. Remember what he did for you and get excited and praise him. Rejoice in the Lord always. Tell your neighbor always. On the good days, in the bad days. Hey, if you woke up, it's always a good day. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Not sad in it, but glad in it. I thought you're supposed to be sick. Why are you so happy? Because I'm glad in it today. You're going through a lot right now. Why are you still running around uh, with all this excitement? Because I'm glad in it today. Oh, that's it. I got some Tuesday night owl runners in the building. Uh, hey! Hey! I came to serve notice to somebody tonight that my praise is not predicated uh, on how good my day is going, uh, but my praise uh, is predicated uh, on how good he is. Whoop. You got more month than you do money, he's still a good God. Ah, turn and tell your neighbor he's worthy of all your praise tonight. Come on, high five about eight people on the way to your seat. Tell them we serve a mighty good God tonight. Woo! Hallelujah. Anybody enjoying the presence of the Lord that's in this house tonight? Come on, you excited to be in the house of God on Tuesday night? Amen. Man, I'm so grateful to be in the house of the Lord. Let me take just a brief moment to again tonight acknowledge and welcome all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord tonight. Would you help me one more time, church? Come on. I want you to give your best round of applause to welcome all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us on Tuesday night. Amen. I see so many guests Scattered across the sanctuary tonight, we are 
absolutely honored that you're here. We have a little understanding in this church that you are only a guest for the first five minutes that you come through the door. After that, you're just at home. Amen? Would you turn around and tell five people standing around you, welcome home tonight. Come on, tell them welcome home. Don't leave anybody untouched. Span the aisle. Go behind you, in front of you. Tell somebody, welcome home tonight. Amen. How many of you were blessed by what the Lord did in this past week? You can be seated. Woo! My God have mercy. If you weren't here, you're going to have to get the rerun on YouTube. And it ain't the same as being in the building. But you need to get online and get caught up with what the Lord did here this weekend. Amen. And uh, we're so grateful for that. Not this Sunday, but the Sunday after that. Somebody say the Sunday after. Is Fifth Sunday Friends and Family Memorial Day celebration. Oh, yeah. It's going to be an incredible time. We're going to come into this house, and we are going to have some throw-down, devil-chasing, owl-running, tongue-talking church in here. And when we're finished with that, we're going to go outside. We encourage everybody to bring a change of clothes with you. Be prepared to hang out for the afternoon. We're going to be serving food, and uh, we're going to have a bunch of games set up and I think there's going to be bounce houses for the kids and all sorts of fun stuff. Bring, bring your cousin, your mama Nim, Uncle Ray Ray, Auntie Fifi, even the crazy ones. Bring them. Lord knows they need Jesus. <laughs> if you don't have any crazy relatives, that's because you're the crazy relative. We're going to have a great time in the Holy Ghost, and uh, I'm excited about that. Staying with me, if you would, all over the house for the reading of the Word of the Lord tonight. Now, I thought since Sunday night, we only made it to the second point in my message, that we ought to just pick up where we left off on Sunday night. That be all right with anybody tonight? I feel like the Lord wants to help some people in this house. So we're going to pick up where I left off on Sunday night. And if we don't get through it, we'll come and do it again. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 11. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 11. Simply says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. The New Living Translation says, so that Satan will not outsmart us. For we are familiar with his evil schemes. And for a few moments tonight, I'm just going to preach part two of not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. I need somebody to put your Bible down and put those hands together. Woo! Oh, yeah. Come on, 
Lord, we're not ignorant of his devices. We're not sleeping on his tactics. Not today, Satan. Amen, amen. You may be seated tonight. Sunday we talked about understanding that one of the keys to overcoming the tactics of the enemy and his plots and schemes against you is to recognize when you are under attack. To be able to recognize the signs and the symptoms that let you know I'm under attack right now. And because I recognize that I'm under attack, I'm not going to give way to the tactics and the scheme of the enemy. I'm going to go on the offense because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so Sunday night we talked about uh, the fact that one of the signs of a spiritual attack is loss of spiritual desire. When you hit those moments where the fervor and the hunger and the desire for the kingdom of God and the things of God is waning, uh, it is a clear indication to you that perhaps you are under spiritual attack. The second thing we talked about was uh, the fact that oftentimes physical fatigue can be a clear indication that you are under spiritual attack. And it is in fact one of the enemy's ploys to use moments of physical weakness and, and, and tiredness uh, as a moment to pounce upon you, a moment of vulnerability. We are, we are created as physical beings, but we are also soul and spirit, uh, and the three are intertwined. And so when you become physically weak and physically fatigued, uh, maybe it's from sickness or simply uh, the exertion of your energy to accomplish uh, what life is thrown at you. It is often in those moments uh, that the enemy will strike uh, against you. And so I want to pick up tonight with the next point uh, that one of the ways you can uh, tell that you are under attack is what I call lack attack. Tell your neighbor lack attack. There are times when it seems like uh, all of your resources dry up uh, at the same time. I can't get no witnesses in the building here tonight. Uh, have you ever been in a moment where it just felt like uh, and seemed like all of your resources uh, dried up at the same time? Now, I am not implying tonight uh, that MasterCard and Visa are demons. Because you cannot rebuke debt. You can't pray debt away. You have to pay it off. Ah, I wish I had a church. Some of y'all got quiet right there because you've been, you've been getting those bills in the mail saying, I rebuke you, devil. Uh, yeah, yeah, baby, that bill ain't going to go nowhere. It's going to come back next month uh, a little bit bigger. Uh, you better get some discipline in your life uh, and start paying that debt away. Uh, uh, I, I might, I, maybe I'll stop right here. Sister Mandy, that's why it's best not to make the debt uh, in the first place. 
One place in the scripture says to run from debt like, like the prey runs from the predator. So I'm not talking about that tonight. Uh, but, but, but there are times when things start going haywire all at once from out uh, of nowhere. You could be uh, under a spiritual attack. The enemy attacks in this way to get you to take your eyes off of God and put your eyes on money. Because if he can get you worrying uh, rather than worshiping, uh, you'll start making decisions uh, based on opportunity uh, instead of based on anointing. You'll begin to chase opportunities uh, that are not from God uh, because of your predisposition of lack. How many of you have lived for God long enough to have the revelation that not every opportunity is from God? I need some help in the building. The devil knows how to open doors just like God does. And not everything that's an opportunity is necessarily coming from God. As a matter of fact, the devil can make uh, some very tempting offers. Uh, he even tried to sway Jesus uh, away from his purpose and by offering him all of the kingdoms of the world uh, and a way out uh, of the cross and the suffering. The enemy can orchestrate a circumstance to give you what you're looking for at a vulnerable moment in your life and steal from you what matters most. Just ask Esau, whose hunger and lack of food caused him to trade for what he wanted, but he lost his real blessing. Always remember, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Always remember that there are two times in your life when you are especially vulnerable to temptation. When you have nothing and when you have everything. Failure has killed its thousands, but success has killed its ten thousands. The greatest measure of making it through is not when you have nothing. Man, I survived when I had nothing. I bet you did. You didn't have any options. I bet you did survive. You did whatever you had to do to make it. But if you want to see somebody pass a real test, just wait till they get a little something in their hands. Oh, boy. I'm going to go ahead and drop the plow right here for a moment. Find somebody down and out and God grabs a hold of them. And they, they, start, they start giving the Lord their tithe and offering. All right, God, I'm going to be faithful. But then all of a sudden when the blessing starts to come and they get a little something in their hand, all of a sudden it's a challenge to be faithful in your giving. Oh, Lord. I know one young man who went to his pastor and said, Pastor, I'm, I'm struggling financially. I, I need a breakthrough. And he said, well, son, are you being faithful in your giving? No, I'm not. 
He said, well, that's where you start is by honoring God with your substance. God's been better to you than the landlord that you write a check to for your rent every month. God's been better to you than the electricity company that you write a bill to every month. He's been better to you than that car you're driving uh, that you're paying. A, a, come on, somebody. Uh, you need to put God back at the front. And so that young man started giving, and the Lord started blessing him. And his, his tithing started to increase because he was being faithful. And all of a sudden, he came to his pastor one day and said, Pastor, is there any way you can pray and ask the Lord if I can give less in my tithing? Because now I'm having to give too much. I used to be able to just, I gave this money. Now I'm having to give. And the pastor said, I can't pray that prayer, but I can pray God takes your income back down to where you can be faithful to him. I wonder what would happen if the Lord would adjust some of our income to the level of our giving. Musicians come. Some of y'all would have to move out of your house tomorrow. You'd have to turn your car over and take the groceries back if God adjusted your income to your level of giving. But I'm telling you right now, one of the greatest ways that you can break uh, lack in your life uh, is to get a revelation uh, that it doesn't belong to you in the first place uh, and that every good gift uh, and every perfect gift uh, comes from the Father above. Uh, and if you'll take care of God's business, uh, God will take care uh, of your business. Come on, somebody. Uh, seek ye first uh, the kingdom of God uh, and his righteousness. Uh, and all these things shall be added unto you. Focus your mind. If you're in the middle uh, of lack attack, uh, focus your mind uh, on God's promises and not your problems. The writer of Psalm 37 said, I have been young and now I am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God will take care of you. Oh, I just need about 200 witnesses in the building tonight. I said God will take care of you. Joshua 1 and 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, uh, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, uh, that thou mayest observe uh, to do according uh, to all that is written therein. Uh, for then, uh, somebody shout then. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. When you get yourself aligned with the principles of God's word, you can't lose with the stuff I use. We are training a generation to take their life direction from money rather than trusting God. That the answer is to get a second and a third job and a fourth job. 
that the answer is to do whatever you got to do to get paid more money. More money is rarely the problem. Because if you give more money to a broke mentality, they'll, they'll just make a bigger mess. Woo, it's quiet up in this Holy Ghost church. If you give somebody that don't know how to manage their finances more money, uh, they're just going to make a bigger pit, uh, a bigger problem, uh, a bigger issue to get themselves out of. But we're raising a generation that, that, that thinks that uh, the solution is, is we need to make more money rather than trusting God and lining our life up with God's principles. If you're in the middle of a lack attack and you're praying about solutions, does the financial solution pull you away from God's house on Sunday and Tuesday? Does it take you away from your family excessively? Never trade the things of God for man's wages. Come on, somebody. Never trade the things of God for man's wages. The new phone, the better car, or the cooler jeans, they are just not worth it in the light of eternity, and they're not worth it in the light of God's blessing. Oh, I feel like preaching a devil into a corner. Your job can never take as good a care of you as your God can. Your career will never uh, be able to bless you uh, the way that God can bless you. Uh, I challenge somebody in this building uh, to start putting God first uh, in your life uh, and see, uh, prove him, uh, and see if he won't open the windows of heaven uh, and pour you out. God will bless you so big uh, that you could buy the place you work at. Uh, God, come on, I wish I had a believer in the building. Uh, God will bless you so big. They'll be trying to wonder how in the world you're doing it. You need to get a revelation that you're the head and you're not the tail. And you don't get to be the head by climbing a corporate ladder. You get to be the head by consecrating yourself to God. For it is God that lifts up. Promotion, the Bible says, doesn't come from the east or the west, but it comes from. You want a promotion? Get yourself involved in the kingdom of God. Yay! I may never make it past this point. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, they never chased promotion. They chased God. And because they chased God, the promotion chased them. See, some of y'all got it backwards. Uh, you're chasing the blessing uh, instead of the blesser. Uh, but if you'll chase the blesser, uh, the Bible said uh, that his blessing uh, will overtake you. Come help me, Brother Michael. If the blessing overtakes you, that means, hold on, that means you're not even looking for it. You're not even trying. Hold on, you, you got to let me get going first. 
It means uh, that your focus uh, is on the blesser. Uh, how can I be more faithful to God? Uh, how can I serve God greater? Uh, how can I? And if this is the way you're doing it, uh, the blessing uh, will overtake you. Uh, I'm not trying to find it. Uh, the blessing uh, is going to find me. I just need about 20 believers in the building this morning. Uh, God's going to bless you in such a way uh, that the money's going to find you. Uh, the promotion uh, is going to find you. Uh, the favor uh, is going to find you. Uh, they're going to they're gonna call you. Uh, they're going to look for you. Uh, don't ever trade the things of God for man's wages because there's no comparison. God can snap his fingers uh, and bring so much blessing on your life uh, that you don't even know what to do with it. <laughs> I'm going to stop here because I feel the Holy Ghost just pressing me. Y'all know that I was an honor student in high school, right? Y'all remember? Yes, your honor. No, your honor. I'm sorry, your honor. I, I barely graduated high school. Not because I'm dumb, but I, my predisposition, my culture, the way I was raised. I didn't get the Holy Ghost, start living for God until I was 14 years old. And I was already going into high school. And it took me a little while to, to, to get that spirit of excellence on me. So I, I barely. And, and in my particular Circumstance. I'm telling the story for somebody. In my particular circumstance, I had to get out of my home immediately when I graduated high school. That means I was working full-time my, my 11th and 12th grade year. I was working 40 to 50 hours a week while I was completing my last two years of high school. Yes, first lady. I was trying to date her. I didn't have much time. By the time I got done with school and work, I'd come knocking on the door at 10 o'clock at night, covered in dirt and dust. I didn't even have time to take a shower before I went to school. And I'd go sit on the couch, Brother Michael, and I'd just fall asleep. Her mom would be waking me up. It's almost curfew time. And there's the door. That's how exciting our dating was those two years of my life. And, and, and I, I, I thought college would have been a great option, but it, it wasn't an open door for me at the time. And, and let, let me just tell you something. I believe you ought to be the best at whatever it is God is calling you to do. Come on, somebody. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, I believe you ought to be the best at it. You ought to study it. If you, if you need to go to college to get a degree to do it the best, I think you ought to pursue all of those things. The key is that you're in the will of God, not trying to find the will of God. Education with an unsettled spirit produces disaster. But you ought to get a hold of God until you have direction and then be the best you can be. If you got to go to school for six years, then get after it. Whatever training, whatever books you got to read, whatever practice you got to put in, be the best at it. 
I didn't, I, I didn't have the opportunity. Or I didn't make the opportunity. However you want to look at it. I didn't go to college. I was working. I was, I was trying to do something. I was just trying to break generational cycles. I was happy I was working. Sometimes you got to learn how to celebrate people on the level that God's delivering them. What seems normal to you might be an achievement for somebody else. And I was working as hard as I could, and God's hand was on my life, and there was a call of God on my life, and, and uh, I made up my mind. We, we, we struggled. We struggled as young people. We, we both came from, from the hood. I mean, the hood part of the hood. Not the outskirts. <laughs> if you looked up hood, it, it, the, the, the letters were over my mama's house. And over her mama's house. We, we didn't come from money. We didn't come from education. We, we came from dysfunctional families and, and all. And none of that's an excuse. Let me, let, me, let me clarify that. Because when you get the Holy Ghost, Calvary's tree is greater than your family tree. You become a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away. And all things become... See, we're going to have to go into lesson number three on this. And, and we, had, we had a time when, uh, uh, when we struggled. I, I was working odd jobs trying to just whatever I could and, 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 and get a foothold doing something. And, and uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, we, we struggled with being faithful to God. It was a struggle as a young married couple trying to be faithful to God and, 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 and how, we, how do we balance all this. But there came a point and a moment in my life where I said, God, I either trust you or I don't. I either believe your word or I don't believe it, God. I got the revelation when the Bible says that money answereth all things. Money is a testifier. It gets on the witness stands and it testifies for or against you. And I said, Lord, from this moment forward, this is never going to be an issue in my life again. I don't care what happens. I told my, I told my wife, I said, you, when, when I get a paycheck, I don't want you looking at a single bill. I don't want you buying anything. You give my tithe and offering before I touch a penny. I don't care if I got $2 left. But we won't be able to pay the I don't care. God's either my provider or he's not my provider. Either his word's true or his word's not. But what about the car? What about the grocery? What about, what about God's word? You're asking the wrong questions. Quit telling God all about your problems and start telling your problems about your God. And when I got that settled in my spirit as a young man, God began to open the windows of heaven. 
and it was one door after the other door. And it was one job after the other job. I, I was sitting interviewing for a job that required a, a two-year college degree minimum and so many years experience to get a job as an account executive. And they hired me on the spot. No degree, no experience. I worked that job for a year and I fell in love with it. I was in wireless telecommunications. Fell in love with the industry. So you know what? God put it in my heart. If you'll start your own business, I'll bless it. And so I started my own business, uh, and God started blessing that. Uh, for years, uh, God just kept building it and opening it. Uh, and when that season was over, uh, God opened the door, and I got a job uh, where I was supposed to have a master's degree uh, in business administration uh, with many years of leadership and experience. Uh, corporate America, uh, I sat down in the interview, uh, and when we got done, uh, they looked at each other and said, we found our man. Uh, that wasn't, come on somebody, uh, I can't give credit to anybody uh, but the fact uh, that God will uh, take care uh, of you. Uh, God will promote you. Uh, God will lift you up. Uh, God will bless you. You don't have to shout amen tonight, but how many of you are sick and tired uh, of the cyclic dysfunction uh, of money problems uh, and the cyclic dysfunction uh, of lack uh, and not enough? Uh, hey, listen to me. Uh, God's word is true. Uh, dig your heels in. Uh, get adamant. Uh, get on your knees and pray uh, and ask God uh, to help you, uh, and God will break it. It's all right. I guess we're going to teach on this for a minute. Sometimes God breaking it is God trying to teach you to be a better steward with what you have. Sometimes it's not that you don't have enough money. You've got too much spending. You've got to quit buying what you want and then begging for what you need. Uh, Brother Pope, I just need a witness in the building. You got me tonight? <laughs> Tax time comes, you become an IRS millionaire. Ooh, it got quiet. This will be a good time for some of you to start getting involved in a discussion or go to the bathroom. Tax time comes, you'll be like, hey, we're going to be bungee jumping this weekend. Going to Ruth Chris for my birthday. In five weeks, you broke again. And the repo man's coming for that car you bought with your tax money. Because instead of paying cash, you got yourself in the debt you couldn't afford to pay. And God's trying to teach you to be a wise steward. You should have taken that money and been strategic with it. Been faithful to God with it and then prayed and said, all right, God, show me how to be a wise steward with this. Not a consumer, God, but show me. Come on, somebody. That's part of God's problem. The Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Sometimes you're financially in ruins not because lack of money but lack of discipline. 
God wants you to break the lack attack. And so you've got to get it in your mind that I'm never going to trade the things of God for man's wage. Proverbs 10.22 said that the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow to it. When God blesses you, it's not going to cause you to have to be unfaithful to him. I'm going to say it again for the people with hearing aids tonight. When God blesses you, uh, it'll never cause you to have to be unfaithful to him. Oh, pastor. I ain't seen him in 10 weeks in church. Where you been? The Lord blessed me with a new job. I'm sorry, baby. That ain't the Lord that blessed you with that job. That was the enemy tempting you with an opportunity that's drawing you away from God. That, that, that extra paycheck you're getting, uh, God's got so much more than that. Uh, if you'll put him first uh, in your life. Pull up in that brand new Mercedes. Woo! The blessing of the Lord. Yeah, where's the title? Um, about that. You're just three payments away from it not being in your driveway, baby. And if you got a struggle and you can't give your tithe and offering because your car payment's high, and this, that ain't the blessing of the Lord. Come on, I'm trying to help somebody break uh, the lack attack. You, sometimes, sometimes telling, saying, not today, devil, is when you walk in the department store and you want to buy that new purse. And you got to learn how to say, not today, Satan. Not today. I, I will be blessed. Come on, somebody. Uh, sometimes you got you to gotta click uh, off the website. Uh, I'm not ordering another thing. Uh, why? Because I'm going to be blessed. Uh, I don't need that. Uh, it's a temptation. Come on. Not today, Satan. Uh, come on. Some of y'all need to start speaking that in your life. Uh, not today, Satan. Some of y'all work hard for what you got. And all you got to show for it is a bunch of restaurant receipts. It would do you good to start learning how to make some sandwiches every once in a while. Oh, I'm sorry. It would do you good to crack open a can of Campbell's soup uh, every once in a while or, 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 or go somewhere where the menu's uh, a little more. Come on, you ain't stunting on nobody. I don't have nothing against Texas Roadhouse. I'll go there with you tonight, baby. I'll get a medium ribeye right now. But it, when it's out of context with where you're at, and you're behind the eight ball, and you've got lack going on in your life, it's time to get on your knees and let the Holy Ghost change your mentality and change your mind. Come on. Sir, 
You don't need another pair of shoes. You need to start a savings account. Lord, y'all are like, please get to the next point, Bishop. Black attack. And sometimes we're blaming devil for the messes we're making. The enemy's all up in my checkbook. No, he ain't. The problem is you don't know how to manage your checkbook. It's time to get your checkbook and bring it to an altar uh, and ask. The Bible said, if any man lack wisdom, uh, let him ask from God uh, that giveth to all men liberally uh, and abraded. God, give me some direction. Uh, God, give me some wisdom. But I don't feel like it. I just want to buy what I want to buy. I want to spend what I want to spend. You know what you need to pray? Lord, give me a new heart. Create in me a clean heart, God. Renew a right spirit in me. Woo! In one place, the Bible says you pray and your prayers aren't answered because you pray amiss. Your prayers are to consume upon your own lust. Sometimes God withholds from you because he knows you would destroy yourself with an answer to your prayer. And God's waiting on you to get some things in order before he opens up the windows of heaven. You open up the windows and pour something out on me, it's good if I'm ready to catch it. But if I'm not prepared, it'll crush me. Lack attack. Somebody tell your neighbor, not today, Satan. You ain't coming after what God blessed me with. You ain't coming after the substance that God put in my hands. I'm going to command my substance to serve God. Come on, somebody. I'm going to command it to, to be blessed and broken and multiplied. If you'll bring God your two fish and five loaves, God will send you back with 12 baskets full. If Come on, somebody. If you'll get yourself out of the way, God's got something so much greater for you that would blow your mind. Okay, it's 8.39 if you're taking medicine. One of the other signs that you might be under attack is a weak prayer life. A weakening prayer life is a sign that you're under spiritual attack. I'm not talking about you just checking the box and closing your eyes twice a day and praying your little now I lay me down to sleep just so you can answer people to say that you're praying. I'm talking about praying until you touch heaven. I'm talking about praying until heaven touches you. Come on, a weakening prayer life is a sign that you're under spiritual attack. Jesus tells his disciples, could you not watch with me one hour? And then he tells them this. He warns them and says, watch and pray lest ye enter into temptation. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And just hours 
later, Peter finds himself under attack and he denies that he even knows Jesus. I wonder what could have been different if he had been in that prayer meeting. I wonder what would have happened. Don't underestimate the power uh, of one prayer meeting. Don't underestimate the power uh, of your time with God and how it can affect your day. Uh, don't underestimate uh, what spending 30 minutes or an hour uh, in the presence of God uh, can do with your day. You don't know what a day might bring. Uh, and there may just come a moment uh, when it's that reservoir of strength uh, and that residue of heaven uh, that's on your heart and your mind uh, that gives you the fortitude uh, and the stamina uh, and the clarity of mind uh, and the perspicuity uh, of the Holy Ghost uh, to make it through uh, to the other side. Prayer is a discipline. There is no gift of prayer. It takes faith and persistence. And when you set yourself to pray, the enemy wants to circumvent God's will. You'll think of hundreds of things that you need to do the moment you try to go pray. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. God. Oh, did I, did I lock the front door? Hold on a second. Oh, God, I come before your throne. Oh, man, I forgot I was supposed to do that before I got to work today. And... Jesus, Jesus, then your prayer just turns into this, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. You're not praying, you're thinking about 500 other things, oh God, oh Jesus, oh God, oh Jesus. I wonder how God feels when we do that. Brother Michael, Brother Michael, oh Brother Michael, Brother Michael, Brother Michael, Brother Michael, oh Brother Michael, Brother Michael, Brother Michael, Brother Michael. Oh, Brother Michael, some of us, God's sitting there saying, I've been listening for 30 minutes. Are you going to say something or not? If you're going to pray, you got to make up in your mind, I'm going to get through to God. I'm going to have a conversation with heaven. I'm going to make a connection point. Come on, you got to make up in your mind. I will not be left vulnerable because I am not praying. The serpent, the strategy of Satan is to squeeze prayer and the reading of his word right out of your life. Squeeze your attention. Squeeze your time. But I, I just struggle with finding time. No, that ain't the truth. Get off YouTube and social media for a little while. You, you have time for four prayer meetings. You, you got time for four prayer meetings and a Bible study every single day. Come on, I can't get no Holy Ghost help up in here. Quit making excuses and start making commitments. I said quit making excuses and start making commitments to God. Huh. Remember... Timing is everything with the serpent. You remember in Acts chapter 3, it, it, was, it was when 
Paul and Silas were on their way to prayer that the woman with the spirit of Python interrupted them. The enemy will strategically attack you when you're trying to pray, when you're trying to worship. Part of recognizing spiritual attacks is recognizing the timing. I am forever blown away, sometimes on a weekly basis, how many phone calls, text messages, and emergency meetings I get right before church. And I want to tell them, do you not recognize what's happening right now? Do you think it's a coincidence that of all week long and all day long that right now the struggle is this intense? Right before you're God trying to get to church, you know what the enemy wants? He wants you to drag into the church uh, frustrated, angry, uh, distracted, uh, depressed uh, so that you're disconnected from the presence of God that's moving and you're, you're not even paying attention uh, to the word that God is trying to get. It's not an accident, baby. It's an attack. You got to get some grit in your spirit and start recognizing those moments and saying, not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. If I got to deal with this, I'll take care of it after church. If I got to deal with this, I'll take care of it after I pray. If I've got to deal with, come on, somebody. Let me talk to you leaders for a moment. You've got to learn how to identify patterns. When you're getting ready to, to accomplish a mission and you're working on a project and you're sponsoring an event and, you're, and all of a sudden it feels like all oh, hell is breaking loose uh, as you are approaching that thing. Don't, don't start pointing fingers at people. Don't start getting upset. Get your eyes on the fact uh, that there is an attack from hell uh, because hell understands the greatness uh, and the magnitude uh, of what God is about to release uh, and hell would not be fighting you uh, if there was not greatness inside of you so you've got to get it in your mind if we got to fight then let's fight baby but I recognize what's happening right now this is an attack from hell and I refuse to be tricked I refuse to be duped right before you come to church Oh, pastor, I'm not sure if we're going to make it. This and this and this is happening. You know what? Those are the moments that you got to make up in your mind. If there's any service I'm going to make sure I'm at, it's going to be this one tonight. There must be something great that God's about to do in my life uh, for me to be facing this kind. Come on, somebody. Uh, I'm trying to help you tonight. Uh, there must be something uh, incredible that God's wanting to do uh, that, that I'm fighting this kind of. Uh, if I'm ever going to get to church, uh, it's going to be tonight. Grab a wheelchair if you got to. Uh, drag me in by my toes. Uh, whatever I got to do, uh, I'm going to get to the house of the Lord. Feeling overwhelmed and hopeless can oftentimes be a sign that the enemy is trying to attack you. The word circumstance comes from two words. Circum, which means to encircle, and stance, which means to stand. 
In other words, it means that you are standing completely surrounded by what is going on. And when circumstances feel overwhelming and everywhere you turn, there's another problem and another problem and another problem. And it's as if there's no escape. You've got to recognize the attack. It's the coils of the enemy trying to encircle you, trying to surround you. Oh, this is one of the tricks that the enemy uses to start planting seeds of a bad attitude. Thoughts such as, what's the use? And why even try? And nothing is changing. These thoughts begin to flood your mind. And it doesn't take long for feelings of being overwhelmed to lead to hopelessness. And you just feel like giving up. And if the enemy can get you to lose hope, then he can get you to stop living a life of faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. I want you to understand something tonight uh, about hopelessness. Uh, it does not come on all uh, at once. When you feel like you hit a wall and, and like you feel like throwing in the towel and quitting, uh, that thought formed in your spirit long before that moment. If quitting is never an option, then you will not want to quit when times get hard. You will want to keep on pressing on in faith that God's strength is greater than yours and that he can see you through every battle. I came to preach to somebody tonight. Get your hopes up. Step back out into the dimension of faith. Start living for God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. time to get your eyes off of your circumstances and get your eyes back on your God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, uh, the evidence uh, of things not seen. Uh, living a life of faith produces substance uh, and evidence uh, that I don't have to see it uh, in order to believe it. Uh, ah, come on, somebody. Uh, all I see is issues uh, and problems uh, and circumstances. Uh, but when I lift up my eyes, uh, I see hope. Uh, I see promise. Uh, I see God's word. Uh, I see God, come on, uh, doing miracles Isaiah 59 and 19 says when the enemy shall come in like a flood it's one of the characteristics of his attacks they are flood like what is a flood a flood is simply when the water surpasses a boundary's ability to hold it any longer when the attack comes in such a wave uh, that it overwhelms your capacity, uh, it is a flood-like attack. Uh, it should be an alarm going off. Uh, I understand what's going on right now. Uh, I realize exactly what's taking place. Uh, and devil, you have no authority uh, over me. Uh, and you have no authority uh, in my life. Uh, I bind you, Satan, uh, in the name of the Lord. Uh, oh, we used to sing an old song. Uh, I command you, Satan, uh, 
in the name of the Lord to pick up your weapons and flee. For God has given me authority to walk all over thee. You got to go on the offense and understand that you're not a victim. You're a victor and you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Paul said it like this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. He said, we are troubled on every side. Tell your neighbor every side. You ever felt that way before? The choir's up there singing, he's on my right, he's on my left, in front and back. And you're singing, the trouble's on my right, it's on my left. He said, we're troubled on every side. Listen, yet... Not distressed. Woo! I got trouble going on all around me, but you know what? I'm not even stressed out about it. That's how God wants you to live. There's stuff breaking loose all around me, but I'm not distressed. He goes on to say we are perplexed. You know what perplexed means? It means that you do not have the answer. I've tried it. I can't figure it out. I don't know what else to do. I'm perplexed. He said, we're surrounded by trouble on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. You know what the antithesis of despair is? It's hope. I can't figure it out, but I got a God that's already got the answers. I don't know how it's going to work, but God is the Alpha and He's the Omega. He's the beginning and He's the end. He's the author and the finisher of my. So I don't have to be in distress. I don't have to be downtrodden. I know that God is in control. He said, we're persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down. Anybody ever been felt like you were just thrown on the ground? Cast down. It's one thing to lay down, to fall down, to trip and fall, but to be cast down? That ain't no fun. Sorry, Brother Michael. He's a good sport. That's cast down. <laughs> he didn't see that coming. That's how the enemy does some of us sometimes. I didn't see that coming. Bam! Here we are on the floor. Paul said we're cast down. But you know what we do? Exactly what Brother Mike did. He got up. I'm cast down, but I'm not destroyed. I'm still here, devil. I got back. Rejoice, not against me. Oh, my enemy, when I fall, I shall. Woo! Tell your neighbor I'm not destroyed. 
I like the way David wrote it in Psalm 91. He said, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. You know what he's saying? I don't care what kind of a weapon is coming against you. Don't you cave into fear. Don't you cave into your fear. Come on, stand up straight. I don't care what kind of weapon is formed against you. He said, you should not be afraid of the pestilence that walketh in the darkness. How many of you remember this past year, the famous name given to the coronavirus, the invisible enemy? The invisible enemy. You can't see him. He doesn't go to Walmart. He just goes to church. He's invisible. He doesn't land on gas pump handles. Only the handles of the doors of the church. The virus is real. People died from it. I got sick from it. But my God is greater than the virus. My God is a healer. I don't care what kind of strain comes out. I don't care if it's the first, second, third strain. If it's from China, Indonesia, Africa, South America, there are no limits to my God's healing hand and my God's protecting hand. If God wants me to live, ain't no virus going to take my life. And if it's my time to go, ain't no medicine or mask or anything else going to stop me from meeting my maker. I will not be afraid of the pestilence that walketh in the darkness. He said, a thousand uh, shall fall at thy side and 10,000 at thy right hand, uh, but it uh, shall not uh, come nigh unto thee. I wish I had a Bible-believing church tonight. I want you to quote that to your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, it will not come nigh unto thee. Tell tell the other neighbor, the one that believes the Bible, tell him it will not come nigh thee. You know what that means? You stand up in its face and say, not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. I'll take a medicine if I got to. I'll take an aspirin if I have to. I'll take some Tylenol and get a nap. But I shall live and not die. I'll make some soup and sleep under the blankets. But Satan, not today. I don't have time to preach all this. Let me give you quickly. I'm hurrying to a close. 
it's only 9 o'clock. And it's only 6 o'clock in California. For everybody online, they're expecting at least 9.30 church. So I'm going to skip over a bunch of this and I'm going to come to the end. And I'm going to give you five do nots to break the enemy's attack. Tell your neighbor, five do nots to break the enemy's attack. Number one, do not forget who made you. God created you uh, with storms in mind. He designed you uh, to be weatherproof. He knew the trouble you would face uh, and he created you uh, and he did not create you uh, to fail. The storm outside of you cannot sink you as long as it doesn't get inside of you. A ship is not afraid of the water. I don't care if it's four feet deep or 400 feet deep. When, when my wife was learning how to swim, poor baby, I met her, she didn't know how to swim. I married her, she didn't know how to swim. And one of the things I had to teach her was, honey, it don't matter if it's four feet of water or 400 feet of water. Swimming is the same. If you could swim in four feet, you could swim in four miles of water. A ship isn't afraid of the water. It's designed to float above it. The only thing you got to worry about uh, is that the water doesn't get in it. You can survive any storm uh, as long as the storm uh, doesn't get inside of you. There's no wave that can take you under. There's no storm cloud that can blow you over. God designed you to be weatherproof. I need a witness in here. Psalm 92 and 12 said the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Palm trees are located in the southern regions closer uh, to the equator if you're in the northern hemisphere. Uh, why? They are in areas uh, where they have to endure mighty uh, storms uh, and tempestuous winds. Uh, and the reason he uses the analogy uh, of a palm tree. Uh, oh, I got a house uh, and I'm my house. Uh, I've got pine trees. Uh, I've got oak trees. Uh, and I've got palm trees. Uh, and when the wind wind blows my oak trees are ten times bigger than the palm trees and the pine trees are wider than the palm trees but when the storm is finished there'll be oak tree branches everywhere and the pine tree will be laying on the ground but baby when you look at the palm tree it's standing up because the palm tree is designed that when the wind blows It'll bend, but it will not break. That's how God designed you. I might bend, but baby, I'm going to bounce back when the wind is over, when the storm is over. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Tell your neighbor, tell a neighbor, tell a neighbor. Don't forget 
made you. Uh, he made you strong. Uh, he made you blessed. Uh, he made you able. Somebody in the building uh, that's been in a storm just needs to bounce back tonight. I know you've been bent over uh, and the pressure of the wind uh, has been on you, uh, but it's time to snap back uh, and let hell know, uh, not today, Satan, uh, not today. Number two, I'm not even going to get to these. Do not forsake your time and place of prayer. There are two things vital to a successful prayer life, a time and a place. It is the place that you go that says, God, I'm here to be with you. Your place of prayer might be a room in your house. It might be a quiet field or a corner in your closet. But any place that you have consecrated to God as your meeting place with him, go to your place of prayer. Even when you don't know what to pray, you can let God do the talking. Just go to that place of prayer as an act of surrender to God. Your physical presence there says that I want to hear from you, Father. I may not know what to say. I may not know what to pray. But Lord, I'm here. And if we sit together and we don't even speak, at least I'm in your presence. Number three, do not forsake the place of power. When you get into a spiritual battle, one of the first indicators, one of the first signs when people are in spiritual battles that I find is the enemy will try and get them to pull away from the church. There's people that should be here tonight at church. But the enemy has put enough pressure on them uh, that they're not where they're supposed to be tonight. Hell will do it with all of its might. Hell will do whatever it has. You'll, you'll come up with a hundred good excuses. And hell will keep handing them to you. Throw it in the trash. Hell will give you another one. But you've got to make sure that you do not forsake the place of power. Psalm chapter 20 verse 1 through 2 says... The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. The church is a place of power. Don't forsake the place of power. Number four, don't forsake the power of partnership. Ecclesiastes chapter one or chapter four, verse nine through 10 says, two are better than one because they have good reward 
for their labor. Don't you dare believe the lie of the devil and let him begin to, to cause you to isolate yourself. Nobody in that church cares about me. Nobody in that church even knows. Nobody that the devil is a big, fat liar. The devil knows Ecclesiastes 4 better than most Christians do. That's why he's trying to isolate you. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe unto him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him. The enemy's tactics never change. The serpent first deceived Eve by getting her alone. He didn't try to mess with her when Eve was with her. Even the Mormons understand this principle. Why do you think they evangelize in pairs? Because they're afraid of one of their young men or women getting into an apostolic house. Come on, somebody. They're afraid if they run into one of them one God apostolic, uh, tongue-talking, holy rolling, uh, Jesus' name, heaven-bound believers, uh, that they're going to get converted. And so they got their buddy with them uh, to pull them out just in case they get it. Uh, come on, we got to go. Uh, it's time to leave. Uh, it's, uh, you better hear me. The devil uh, will never mess with you uh, when you're bound together uh, with Holy Ghost partners. Uh, he'll try to talk you uh, into isolation and loneliness. You don't need to support toxic, dysfunctional, draining relationships you need the power of partnership that only holy relationships can provide when you're going through an attack you don't need deadbeat friends who want to drag you down further when you're under attack and you're going through it don't partner up with people that are fighting the same thing you are Come on, use some Holy Ghost wisdom. You know you're in that situation and sister girl call you up to say, hey baby, you know what we need to do? Uh, I can't talk to you right now uh, because I need to get on my face before God. Uh, come on. Uh, I got to find somebody that can encourage me uh, in the Lord. Uh, I need to find somebody uh, that'll look me in the eye uh, and tell me, get up. Uh, get up. Uh, get up. My God, I wish I had. trying to hurry when a boxer is in the ring he doesn't want people in his corner who every time he gets hit run out and say wait 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 what why did you hit him he doesn't want people in his corner when he gets knocked down to run over and say oh, oh it's okay it's okay you you meanie 
They're just a bunch of meanies. If that boxer's going to win the fight, he needs some people in his corner that'll tell him, get up! Get up off the mat! Come on, you got him! You got this! Get up and swing again! Get up and fight again! Get to church and pray again! Get to church and worship again! Get to church and love again! Get to church! Come on, you need the power of Holy Ghost partnership! Some of you will pay $100 a month for a personal trainer to put you on machines and hurt you because you know it's good for you. Here's my money. Make me hurt. I can't walk. That's the kind of people you need in your life spiritually. You don't need people that are going to coddle you. You don't need people that are going to whine with you and be carnal with you and complain with you. You need some trainers that will say, come on, sissy, push again. Come on, get up. God created you for more than this. Come on, get up off the mat and be what God called you to be. Last thing I'm going to preach tonight is when you're under attack, don't you ever forget that we are victorious over the enemy. Romans 16 and 20 says, God will soon crush Satan under your feet. I need somebody before we leave this building uh, to throw your hands in the air uh, and begin to declare uh, the word of the Lord over your life. Uh, come on. Uh, I might be under attack, uh, but victory is on the way. Uh, I might be under attack, uh, but the devil is already defeated. Uh, I've got Holy Ghost power. Uh, I've got anointing in my life. Uh, I've got a call of God. Uh, Come on, somebody lift up your hands and let the strength. You might be in a battle right now, but the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. You might be in the middle of a fight, but it's time to bounce back and be what God has called you to be. Come on. Come on. What you say? I got victory.
to go ahead and jump on the devil's head tonight. You want to take a fall?